Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Tracy Boots. Tracy is the owner of Tracy Lynn Life Coaching. After 25 years in corporate America, Tracy left it behind at the age of 45 so that she could fulfill her dream of becoming a certified professional life coach. She specializes in helping women over 40 make the second half of their lives the best half of their lives. She also holds a master's degree in counseling studies and works among the best coaches in the world as a results coach for Tony Robbins Research International. In the episode, Tracy shares just how you can thrive after 40, making the second half of your life the best it can possibly be, why confidence is a result of consistent action, what to expect 30, 60, and 90 days into any behavior change, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, Dry Farm Wines. Did you know that alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles? That's how they're able to sneak in sugar and other additives to their products. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come up with a solution. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and also free from other industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wine, Even the top-rated, expensive, conventional wines can give me headaches and make me feel overall just kind of gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their top-notch customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment or click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing, if you've been dieting for years, but nothing has helped you keep the weight off long-term, I'm so happy you're hearing this right now because outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose five to 50 pounds permanently by mastering the skill of weight loss and maintenance. Unlike one-size-fits-all diets, apps, and programs that only provide short-term results, I guide you through my holistic 3A approach so you can develop effortless, evidence-based habits that work for your unique lifestyle, feel completely in control around food, and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself. Visit thehealthinvestment.com to learn more about my group and one-on-one coaching programs. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Tracy. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. 
Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hi, Brooke. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited we were able to do a little podcast swap here Uh, for listeners. I was on Tracy's podcast and we connected and we had a great time. And so then I said, you have to come on my podcast. So it's like we're old friends now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Worked out well. Can you tell us all a bit about your background and specifically what led you to get a master's in counseling studies and then eventually to become a certified life coach? Yeah. So... My desire to be in some kind of profession that had to do with helping others has always been um, has always been consciously what I wanted to do. Now, it's important to note that I'm 51 and I've been wanting to do work like this since I was like 18. And mm. so it didn't actually start uh, for me until later in life. And Knowing that I always wanted to, uh, you know, be in some kind of work that had to do with helping others didn't mean that I suddenly jumped into college at 18 and started pursuing it. I was more of the mindset of, yay, I'm free, no school and being with my (laughs) friends and having so much fun um, when I was 18. So I just got a real job. I just uh, got an adult job when I was 18 and worked in corporate America. And I thought this will be fun to do for a little while. And then it ended up um, lasting 25 years. Mm. And uh, during that time, I really got... um, comfortable with the certainty that this job was providing me, which was the health insurance and the pay and the, um, you know, the, the retirement, even though I have to be honest, like back then the retirement meant nothing to me. I was too young to even care. (laughs) Now that I'm 51, I'm like, Ooh, I'm so glad, you know, that at least I had that job for as long as I did. Right. So, um, when I really started getting serious about, um, about being a life coach and getting into school was after um, I had been married and divorced and had a child, which is the best time to go to school, right? When you're (laughs) a single mom and I was uh, 35 years old and I went to school, finished my BA in human services. After that, I went right into my master's degree got uh, my master's in counseling studies. And in the pursuit of my master's degree, they make you take this course that has to do with what you can expect when you become a therapist, because that's what I thought I wanted to be. And it was all about um, how to maintain a level of high energy when what you're doing all day is really focusing on people's problems. And it was real. That was the very last class I took of my master's degree, which I decided in that moment. I didn't know if that is what I wanted to do because I I didn't even think about that aspect of it. All I thought about was I want to help people. And then that class really just it was reality. And it's a really important class. And I'm glad that I took it. But the reality was that if you want to be in this field, there is a lot of uh, in, in therapy, there is a lot of taking on other people's energies. You know, therapy is a lot to do with past experiences and traumas that have happened in people's lives. And when you care so much, and um, most people who go into this kind of career 
are the kind of people that have a great deal of empathy and compassion for people. So it's almost impossible not to take all of that on. That was the very first time I started thinking to myself, oh, I'm not really sure if that is exactly what I want to pursue anymore, but I know that I want to help others. So here I was still in corporate America, had my master's degree, student loans were going to start kicking in soon. And I'm not even working in the field that I uh, went to school for. It was um, it was stressful because I didn't know what I was going to do then. I, I felt like I had just spent all of this money, wasted my money to not actually follow through. And then when I was sitting at my desk at work, and if anybody here knows about corporate America, their email is locked down. Like you can, junk mail does not get through. It is um, set up in a way that you just get your work email stuff and that's it. It's it's wonderful now that you think about it. Because if you look at your personal <laughs> email, yeah. ooh, like who can keep up with all the things you need to unsubscribe from? True. Um, so I was sitting at work and I got an email that the subject line was, do you want to be a life coach? And I opened it because it was interesting. I didn't really, I heard of life coaching, but back then, um, you know, it wasn't something that was really prevalent where I lived in the Midwest. And it had an article about what life coaching was. And it explained that it was um, therapy is more past focused. The, uh, life coaching is more future focused, focusing on people's goals where they want to see themselves in one year, three year, five years, finding out what's preventing them from having that, and then helping them to keep moving forward. And my first thought was, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And then, of course, my second thought was, how the heck did this get to me? <laughs> because it's our corporate emails locked down from any junk mail. And this was clearly something that shouldn't have gotten through, but it did. And so I felt like that was a pivotal moment where the universe was telling me something. I was just handed a gift. And that's the day I decided to research more into that and to um, start my own business. And so while I was in corporate America, that's what I did. I had uh, my life coaching business nights and weekends. And oh, wow. yeah, it was challenging, as you know, having your own business, but it was so fulfilling. And so that's, that was long story, my journey of how I got here. Wait, had you ever heard the term life coach before, before you got that email? Yeah. I oh, okay. heard of life coaching, but I didn't really quite know what it was. Like I said, I'm in the Midwest in Iowa, and it seemed like it was more of like a West Coast, fluffy <laughs> California thing um, that wasn't real close to home until I got that email. and was just like, why not close to home? Maybe somebody's listening to this and they have that same idea that it is kind of this, I don't know, West Coast, East Coast, like something for the people on the coasts, not for people in the middle of the country, maybe use the word fluffy. Mm -hmm. So what is a life coach and how can it help people beyond the coasts? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. Well, you probably do understand how many times I get asked that question. And it's such a great question. And I love when people ask me that question, even after all of these years and in life coaching becoming more popular, I still get the question. Life coaching, the way that I describe it is, is really helping 
people create their best lives. And there's all different kinds of coaches out there. There are people who focus on strictly relationship coaching and making your relationship stronger, Um, health coaches such as yourself and helping people specifically work on health, um, financial coaches. So there's all kinds of niches out there where um, people can find exactly the right coach for them. What my niche is and what I work in specifically is helping women over 40 make the second half of their life the best part of their life. Mm. And that can be different for for so many people. Um, when I was when I was 49, I really started feeling this um, part of me that was sad. I was falling into a depression because thinking about being 50 and knowing that I had more time behind me than I had ahead of me was so sad to me because I really enjoy life. Not I've had challenges. I've had things, trauma in my life at the point where I am, I know how to manage through those things. And so I really enjoy life and don't want it to end. And all I could focus on was getting older. Mm. And, um, I didn't think that I would ever get to the time where I would feel depressed about my age, but I really did. I fell into a funk and I was coaching at this time, but I still couldn't get myself out of it. And, um, I just spent a lot of time, uh, feeling anxious, depression, all of those things. And then one day I was on Facebook and Facebook has time hops or like memories from the past. Yeah. And it, you know, where it's like this day last year <laughs> or this day, three years ago, this is what you were doing. Yeah. Okay. So it was a memory that came up and it was of my, one of my really good girlfriends who died of breast cancer. And she was 52 at the time and she had grandchildren and she was married and she obviously had children of her own. And here I was staring at this picture of my friend who doesn't have the opportunity to be here anymore, to see her grandchildren grow up, to, to have beautiful experiences in her life. She was such a beautiful woman and just inside and out that in that moment, I thought how selfish I was so selfish that every day I, I want to be feeling gratitude for having another birthday and growing um, older because her and so many other people do not have the opportunity to do so. So it was in that moment where I completely shifted my niche and what I was doing to only focus on um, women over 40 that may be feeling the same way that I did um, or women who have things that have happened to them in their life, maybe an abusive um, relationship that made them feel insecure, that really challenged their self-esteem, maybe some kind of um, loss, you know, grief that's keeping them from moving forward. Maybe they've lost themselves and they're, you know, at a weight or somewhere in their health where they never thought they would be. And it's really causing them to feel down and depressed and they want to, um, they want to have better for themselves. We all have Brooke, this um, subconscious wish for our lives. 
And when we reach the 40-year-old mark, it generally seems to be the time where we subconsciously look at where we thought we would be in our life and judge where we are now. Mm. And if we're not at the finances we thought we would be, or if the children aren't where we thought they would be, if um, the career isn't, if the relationship isn't, if my health isn't, then instead of getting super motivated and now's the time, usually what people do is regress and they, they focus on how did I get here? Right. And, um, and they get stuck and that's where I was. How did I, I can't believe I'm 50 and how did I get to be this age and all of those things. I want to help those women continue to keep moving forward because there's so much more to life and there's time. So for me, the question being, what is a life coach? That's what I do as a coach. And as you can see, it's different from therapy in which it's a lot more energetic. Although I do spend a lot of time focusing on the past because sometimes we must to find Mm -hmm. out how you got stuck, unstuck you, and then continue to keep moving forward. And it has just been, um, I've met so many amazing women on this journey and seen so many people make great progress. And it's, it's been very, um, it's been a blessing. How cool just to be able to have felt that way yourself and know that women come to you feeling that way. And then just to really give them that gift of this incredible second half of life and kind of a new lease on life, if you will, or a new attitude about it. Just that must be very rewarding, not just for them, but for you as well. Yeah, it is. Thank you. I always do kind of a deep dive into anybody I interview. That's just, I love the, I don't know, research of it, or <laughs> I don't know if you would call it stalking. That word just came to mind. <laughs> we all Google people and <laughs> look secretly them up. Stalkers, yeah. yeah, secretly stalking. We can call it researching. But I just love, you know, getting into people's websites and learning about them before they come on. And so I was looking at your website and something stood out to me because I'm also 100% on board with this. And I don't think that people talk about this enough. But on your website, you write, confidence is what happens as a result of taking action. And again, I just cannot agree more. I see this as well in my own coaching practice. I think people expect that confidence is just something that you have or you don't. Or it's something that strikes or it doesn't. And it's just not, it's more passive. It's not something that you can actually gain. So I would love if you could elaborate on that. Why do we gain more confidence when we take action? Why is that so critical? Yeah. When I talk about taking action and what any kind of action that it would be for somebody over, over 40 that wants to live their best life in the second half of their life. Uh, It's always, what action do you want to take? I want to leave my job. I want to start over in my career. I want to start over in my relationship. I want to find a relationship. I want to start um, saving, you know, money for retirement, all of these things. But first, what I need is confidence. You know, when I always ask, what's preventing you from having those things now? What's preventing you from changing your career? Most people are stuck in this place of certainty that where they're at, especially at 40, because we're pretty set in our ways by that time, that if I am to 
um, leave where I am now. There's too much uncertainty. So I really need to build up that confidence. And this is what I need you for, Tracy. Help me build up confidence so that I can take these action steps. Mm. The truth is that confidence is something that you can create momentarily in order to get you going. And you can create that confidence momentarily by focusing on the right things and um, using the right kind of I am statements to really live in the identity of somebody that's moving forward. But to have real confidence, to to wake up and just feel confident in yourself, to have that self-love, to have that self-esteem, you only build that by doing things that scare you. You only Mm -hmm. do that by going forward and taking action on things that feel uncertain to you. Because only in that process of doing something that scares you, do you actually become somebody else. If we just stayed in our comfort zone our whole lives and never did anything that scared us or that challenged us, then cool, you could be happy. However, you wouldn't be completely, totally fulfilled in the way that maybe you don't even know that you ever could be in your life. Mm. And by setting a goal and failing and continuing to keep going and failing again and continuing to keep going and being scared, but continuing to keep going anyway, and actually reaching that goal, that person you've be, you've become from start A to finishing in point B is somebody completely different that started at A. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who has built up that confidence in themselves that no matter what's thrown my way, because so many things are thrown your way when you do scary things like fear, like judgment, like maybe rejection, um, like doing things that you don't think you can do, you become the kind of person that is confident in themselves. And, um, and that's what I teach my clients that it's, there's, you don't wait for confidence to happen. You Mm -hmm. create the confidence in every step of the way, every step that you take towards your goal. That's why it's so important to have a coach or somebody accountability there with you along the way. Because if you don't have that accountability and that person going, you got this, continue to keep moving forward. I know you're scared. I know it's challenging, but keep going. You will regress back. Right. And this is why it's so important that, um, you know, to build that confidence that you don't wait to have it that you start to take action. And then at the end, when you reach your goal, you're going to feel something about yourself that you have never felt before. As you were talking, I was thinking about social media and how that can kind of play into the myth of confidence as well. Because I think we're seeing people's highlight reels, right? We're seeing their best days and, oh, I got a new job or I have a new baby or a new marriage. And it just may seem like everyone around you has all of the confidence and certainty in the world. And I hear this from clients as well. And, you know, they may even, when they start working with me, say things like, oh, but you've got it all figured out. Or you, you know, don't struggle with this anymore. And I'm like, no, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I actually have in my calendar today, go up to the roof and do strength training. And I know I'm going to dread it 
every, <laughs> like, I'm not going to want to go. I have my shoes laid out. You know, my husband's going to go with me. He's going to say, Brooke, we got to go. I mean, it's not just that you hit this moment when everything falls into place and you just have smooth sailing from here on out. We all are constant works in progress. And I think working with a coach as well can help to kind of demystify that and show the reality of what this looks like long-term. That Mm -hmm. there's not just a day you're confident or certain or perfect. It's a work in progress for all of us. Yes, And I just, I think other things as well, right? Not just social media. Social media can also be fantastic, but um, I don't know. I think yeah. that can really be, it can really bring you down if you're, if you're on those days when you're not feeling confident, maybe just going to your phone for a mindless scroll. And then you're just seeing all these images of yeah. people who seem like they just have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also one great tool that people can start Um, implementing also in another perspective is instead of looking at pictures and judging yourself, instead of looking at pictures and what our subconscious brain will do is tell us all of the things that we're doing wrong in our life compared to that picture, Mm. compared to this family that looks like they have it all together or compared to this person who is so um, healthy and Um, really taking care of themselves. And here I sit on my couch, thumbing through Facebook with a bag of Cheetos in my, in my lap. Like we will judge our subconscious brain will make us judge ourselves. And in that moment, right before you get onto Facebook or Instagram, whatever it may be, commit yourself that what you see, you're going to be happy for others, regardless if it's fake or real or whatever it may be, because our brain won't tell us, be happy for them. It's just the way that the brain works. And once you recognize that just because you have those thoughts of, oh, look at me, I'm so lazy with this bag of Cheetos, that that's not really you. That's not your conscious mind speaking. That's the subconscious mind saying you, sh- you need to do better. You need to, you need to change yourself and our brain will never stop working in that way. So it's really about managing those thoughts when they come up for us. So Mm -hmm. if you sit down and commit that whatever Facebook photo that you see, as soon as that place of judgment comes up in your brain, that you will shut it down immediately and be happy for that photo that you're seeing. So it might look something like, okay, there's that perfect family where my family isn't perfect or they have the family I always wanted. Recognize that's a part of the subconscious brain that's uh, making you judge yourself. Shift your focus and say something nice about that family. Wow, look Mm. at that beautiful dress that she's wearing. I'm really happy that they have such a happy family. And then keep scrolling. Maybe you come across somebody who's really fit. Wow, good for them. I'm so happy for them that they are at this place in their life because what that does is it really takes us away from judgment and more towards love and Mm. support and compassion for people, which is really the best way to be in this world. And our brains won't allow, our subconscious brain doesn't do that for us. It doesn't do that for us. It simply wants us to judge. It wants us to look at everything that we're doing wrong in our life. If you And to put this into context, Brooke, if we just think about 
on a daily basis when we're all working so hard, but at the end of the day, we our brain will take us to a place of everything that we didn't get done, everything that I should have done, everything that um, I could have worked harder doing today, as opposed to taking us to a place of great job. Look at everything that I did today. Wow, I can't wait to log back in tomorrow and take off where I left off. Our brain just doesn't work like that. We must create those thoughts for ourselves. And to consciously know that we are responsible for distracting ourselves from those disempowering thoughts, social media is a great way to practice that. Be more happy for people. Don't judge yourself. If you want to change and you're not liking what you see, then there's something within you that is might be pulling towards you. If something has you saying, wow, look at what's happening there in in their life. If you're noticing that, then what is it about your life that you're not feeling happy in that's making you judge yourself based on this picture? And then ask yourself, what can I do in order to see a picture like this and go, great job. Does that mean that I need to do something within myself? Do I need to become more happy? Do I need to um, get brave and vulnerable and get into the dating world again? So maybe I could find, you know, a loving partner. I think that within that judgment, there's always something about ourselves Hmm. that we want to change and we're seeing it within them. And if you get real clear on what that is and you start making steps towards that, you're going to build that confidence and then you can scroll through social media and be happy for people. I love that. And I also just think knowledge is so empowering. Just that one little tidbit you gave us of this is your subconscious mind and there's this little switch you can flip to turn it around and you're going to have to do that because it's not going to do it for you. I mean, just that right there, that little piece of knowledge is so empowering and could just completely give your social media use a 180. Yeah. That's awesome. You also have a blog post uh, that I loved called Expectations of Habit Change. And I thought what was so great about it is that you break down exactly what happens after 30, 60, and 90 days into any change. It's not always just smooth sailing. You talked about the fear or the subconscious brain and all these things that can pop up. Can you address that a bit more and dive into what should we expect when we're taking action or changing any habit? Yes. When I'm working with people, I work a lot with changing habits. Um, Again, when we want to make any kind of change in our life, it generally has to do with a habit that we've created that we want to change or a habit that needs to be created in order to help us move forward, especially if it has to do with health and fitness. Um, But it could also do with like a habit of being on Netflix instead of exercising. So that habit of being comfortable, being lazy instead of actually moving our body, all of those things. So I work a lot with habit change and I've done a lot of research about what happens in the brain when we are changing habits. And what I've discovered is that um, the reason why most people fail in changing habits or creating habits is we focus so much on strategy. Um, This is what I want. This is the goal weight I want to be or the health uh, goal that I have. Um, This is the amount of money I want to make. This is the 
uh, career I want to get, like whatever it is, we go to start, how do I get it? Okay, this is what I want, now how do I get it? And through all of the research that I've done, what's the most important thing when it comes to habit change is the psychology and our mindset as it relates to habit change. And once you know what to expect um, within the mind, then you're better prepared as you're going into uh, creating this habit or making this habit change to um, really set yourself up for success. So what I created in the post that you're referring to, the expectations of habit change, is what the brain goes through as you're creating um, habits. And it takes, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be a time when all we needed to do was something consistently in a new behavior for three weeks and mm-hmm. it was a habit. You remember that? Yeah, the 21 okay. day thing. 21 day. <laughs> Those were the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> because now the research shows that it takes 67 days mm. of consistency in order for the brain to literally re- rewire itself to actually uh, have this new habit where you don't even think about it. It's just something that you do. But prior to that 67 days, it's not something that we just do. So it takes a lot of mental energy to in those 67 days to actually create a habit. So I, when I work with my clients, I give it 90 days. So we, mm-hmm. we really solidify the, um, the mindset in a way that's super solid. And here's, the expectation within the first 30 days of creating a habit you're going to relapse i call it relapse because making a habit change is like having a mini addiction you're addicted to something that isn't good for you whether it be uh, something that has to do with the food that you're eating or the laziness that you have or you're not actually moving your body whether it has to do with poor spending habits whether it has to do with um, being negative, um, it, because thought process and, and how we show up can also turn up, can, can be a habit as well. So we're all, we have like these mini addictions that we set into place for ourselves. So if we want to make that habit change, say to eat better, the first 30 days, you can expect for your brain to not like that you're changing this. The brain does not like change. It's going to urge you to go back to the way that you were before. Go back to the Cheetos. Stop with all this chicken and brown rice. The (laughs) brain is going to be against you. Expect it. That the first 30 days is going to be the hardest part of habit change because the brain thinks you're in trouble. It knows that you're doing something different than you have done in a very long time. And that's, again, the brain's job is to recognize when things aren't right and to go, what are you doing, Brooke? Come back here. Go back to the Cheetos. You're not safe. You need to go back. It thinks it's saving you because you're doing something different. So it's super hard. So that first 30 days, you can expect that you are going to relapse. Okay. You have this desire just because you relapse does not mean that you don't continue to keep moving forward. Just expect for it to happen. That self-doubt is really going to be strong. Oh, I knew I couldn't do it. As soon as you have your face in the cheesecake, you're going to be, oh, I knew I couldn't do it. Don't do that. 
if you have your face in a cheesecake, when the first 30 days, when you wanted it to be in chicken and rice, then as soon as you're done with your face in the cheesecake, just continue, pick up right where you left off. If that cheesecake was like at lunch, then make sure your dinner is really good. Yeah. Um, after that, but expect for that kind of thing to happen and don't let it derail you. When the, most times what happens in the first 30 days is people are like, ah, I knew I couldn't do it. And they just give up. Yeah. And where now I'm telling you, no, expect it. The first 30 days is going to be hard. Do as much as you can to stay within what it is that you want to change. Do not judge yourself. Or if you do fail, just continue to keep moving forward. You're going to have low energy in the first 30 days because the mental energy that it takes to fight those urges and to fight that the brain and to fight the judgment that you have for yourself is just going to be on fire. And so your energy as it relates to like mental energy is going to be really low, but keep moving forward. The, the next month, then the 60 day mark you're going to have less relapsing. As as a matter of fact, commit yourself that this month, I'm going to have less relapses. You're going to still have the urges. They may not be as strong, but they're still going to be there. You're still going to have self-doubt, but it's going to be a little bit less. And it's going to maybe feel a little bit easier than it did in the first 30 days to stick to your goal, but you're still going to relapse. You're still going to have self-judgment. It's just all going to be a little bit less. Now we're on the home stretch, the last 30 days where we're going from, you know, 60 to 90 days. Now at this place, you're really going to want to commit yourself. Like, and now I'm really going all in. I am going to commit that I am not going to um, relapse hardly at all. Even though we know relapses happen, we're not going to judge ourselves. But if you really commit to that, then you're going to recognize that the brain is going to be um, nicer because the brain is starting to get used to now the consistency of you eating more healthy, even though there's relapses. And once it starts getting used to the consistency of something, it starts to uh, be like, okay, okay, I'm with you. I see what you're doing now. And so I'm going to help you. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like this. So I'm going to give you minimal urges. I'm going to give you a little bit of mental energy back because you're not going to be judging yourself so much and you're going to have more, um, you're going to have more proof that I actually can do this because of the consistency that you've had and feel better and have more confidence. And then at that end of that 90 days is remember when we talked about confidence, like point A to point B. After that 90 days, when you have successfully created the new happy, ha, um, the new habit with consistency, that's the only way a habit gets formed is with consistency. Then um, that is the final 90 day mark where you can say, yes, I have completely made this a habit and you'll know it because it doesn't take any effort to actually do it. Yeah. That's so cool. Again, just I always geek out on how much knowledge empowers us. And that knowledge of knowing, especially in the first 30 days, how tough it is. I think so many people don't know that. And then, like you said, they dive into the cheesecake and then it's all what's wrong with me. I fail every time. I knew this would happen. Everybody else has willpower. I don't. And you just, 
go into this downward spiral. Whereas you have just said, this is completely normal. Almost if that doesn't happen, then there's something wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like that you're completely normal when that happens. So just rest assured you're doing great. Every, you just don't see that in other yeah. people. They're probably not going to share that piece of their yeah. habit change journey. You know, they're going to share again, the highlight reel. And so you don't see that you think you're deficient in some way. That's not the case. Yes, exactly. And just real quick, Brooke, I want to share with your audience that I had a 20 year battle with going to the gym and getting healthy and fit 20 years where I was in and out of gyms. I would join membership uh, gyms. I would join kickboxing and CrossFit and the hot yogas and the plot. Like I tried everything because I thought it was the strategy that was wrong. Hmm. I thought that, well, if I had a good enough gym or workout or whatever it may be, then I wouldn't be having all these urges to stay at home and just watch Netflix (laughs) all the time that I would want to get out of bed in the morning and go to the gym. Yeah. And, um, and so after like literally 20 years, I feel like I had, I hadn't been fit. I just was going through life and I was, you know, 25, 30 pounds overweight. And, and I knew that I wanted to be fit, but it was 20 years of going through exactly what I didn't know, which was that my mindset in the brain wanting me to stay exactly where I was and to not change is the thing that was causing me to, um, to not continue to not be consistent. So when I started um, relating this as being a mini addiction, like my laziness, and that I can't expect for my brain as soon as my alarm goes off to go, yay, let's go to the gym. I was like, oh, I'm in charge of that. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I have to be in charge. I need to do this. Um, it's just not, not automatically going to happen for me that I get excited. I did uh, you know, super deep dive into habit creation and did all the research. And as soon as I was like, had that aha moment, I started, it was September of 2020, started going to the gym. Our gyms were open at that time here in the Midwest. And I, for the very first time ever in my whole life, went from September to September of consistency in the gym. And that first 90 days was exactly as I described. And the first 30 days, as soon as I woke up, my brain would say, what are you doing? Just stay in bed. It's nice and it's nice and warm in here. For 30 days, it was urges not to go. And I knew that that was going to happen. And so when it happened, I just went, no, I want this. I focused more on, I just got to get past those 30 days. I just need to show up. That's all I need to do is just to get out of bed, get my energy drink, get to the gym and just show up. That's all I need to do. And as long as I kept that mindset in the first 30 days, just show up, Tracy. I That's what got me to the 60 days. And then when the 60 days happened, I was like, whew, I can't believe I did it for 30 days. And that gave me like, holy shit, I did it. I did it. Like I went 30 days without... No, it wasn't like 30 days, like consistently exercising. It was more like four days a week. Yeah. Wow. I felt so good just in that 30 days. Like I did it. And that gave me just enough energy to go, let's do it again. Another 30 days. And so I did it again. And then when I kept just doing it again and again and again, I have never felt more confident in myself. Wow. Um, But it was mind first, mindset first. Yes. And then strategy. 
I always love thinking about it for myself and for clients about almost your brain as a computer and you can hack into it and can you kind of gamify it, you know, and not look at it as this drudgery of, oh, a new habit of just these tiny little mindset shifts you can have, or if you can write something on a post-it that gets you out of bed or, you know, whatever it is you have to do, that's what it's about. It's just show it. Like if it, works to say you show up and you just do it for five minutes, even, you know, I'll say, can you just go for a five minute walk? That's easier to trick your brain into than to say, I have to go for a 40 minute walk right now. And 90% of the time when you get out there and you're walking for five minutes, you end up walking for 10, 20, 30 plus minutes. Um, And maybe there's a occasional day when you work, you walk for five minutes, but Hey, five minutes better than zero minutes. Mm -hmm. So Exactly. It's, it's all about these tiny little hacks. I love the way you have framed everything for us. I know I've learned a ton um, in this episode. I'm so grateful that you've been here. There's a final question I ask each of my guests, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Great question. And can I just say that I have made the health investment oh. um, into Brooke's uh, health investment group. I'm super excited um, because I'm, you know, now that I have this habit of going to the gym, that's a habit now. I don't even have to think about it. Um, I just do it. And that's how you know it's become a habit. But my food, okay, now I need to really focus on food and changing my habits there. And so the health investment to me is really about taking my resources, not just my money, but my time and focusing it towards something that is going to make a difference. I can go to the the store and buy an awesome pair of shoes. Um, I can have experiences in my life and spend my money traveling and doing those things. And and yes, I do buy the shoes. And yes, I do do the travel. But when we invest (laughs) in, in when I invest in my health, it's like, that is the thing that is going to give me vitality, especially Mm. now that I'm 51. I want to be able to be 70 and still go to the gym and still be able to travel and still be able to just have experiences in my life. And if I'm not investing in my health right now, that's just not going to happen. And so you're, you know, when we had that podcast together and you had told me about the health investment, you know, just like when I got the email about, do you want to be a life coach? I feel like things are put into your lap at the perfect time when they're supposed to. And this was just one of those things that you and I met and it's exactly what I needed. And I'm all in, I'm investing in my health. Thanks to you. And I hope that others do as well. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy to have you as part of the group coaching community. It's my favorite thing that I do working with people. I mean, I love the podcast too. So (laughs) listeners, don't get me wrong. I love it here, but really connecting off air with people who find me through this or like yourself. I mean, I think, you know, you can, you can relate. That's what we really devote our lives to is this process of helping people with whatever it is. So happy to have you on board. And just as you were talking, I love the way you phrase it. You know, you can still have the shoes, you can have the travel. It doesn't have to be an either or, but then you mentioned the word vitality. And I just got this image in my mind of you wearing the shoes with vitality and you traveling with the vitality, right? Because what good are all of the experiences and material things in our life if we aren't able to show up 
as our healthiest selves. I mean, they really mean nothing. There's nothing more important than your health. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Well, I would love for listeners to know where they can follow you and find you and read these blog posts I've mentioned. Where are you at on the, on the web? Yes. Thank you. So coached by Tracy, T-R-A-C-I is my website where you can find my blog. And then there's also a shop that has free, free stuff that you can uh, download like journaling activities. Um, Also on Facebook at Tracy Lynn Life Coaching. And as you mentioned before, Brooke, I do have a, a podcast called Age Slayers with Tracy Lynn. And the, the podcast is about interviewing people that have had um, traumatic things happening in their life, um, adversity, things that could have really kept them down as they grew older. But later in life, what they did was found the, the right therapist, the right coach, the right um, support system in order to really help them move forward and to have a life that they love. And I have found that, um, people gain a lot of, um, strength and motivation by hearing other people's story and also how they've overcome things. Mm. Um, and it's got, um, great guests like you, Brooke, that talk about how you can make your health um, work for you. Also, um, career and financial uh, people on the podcast. So it's really, um, really for people over 40 uh, to gain the momentum to keep moving forward. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all of those things in the show notes so that They're easily clickable. And I just want to thank you so much again for sharing your wisdom with my audience today, Tracy. I know this episode is going to be a hit. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.